We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Okay, ready? Think what you know, and it's about a time when you get yourself in a wheel. I want to know something she needs. I think about everyone you need. I hold in it, things are moving real now. I have a senior woman, you. Hey, it's her ratio. Okay, though. It's a ratio. Okay, though. That might be the best question I've ever been asked. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about what some of your affirmations are? Mm. I want to start with I am enough. I am enough. I am enough. You know, those moments where I do get fearful, you know, and before we even started the press tour, everything's going through my head, this and the other. And it's like, no, I am enough. And the one that gets me through all the time, everything always works out for me. Everything always works out for me. The universe, everything, it always works out for me. That is the main one. I'm telling you, I barely got to the airport and the driver's like, well, you're not going to make it, this, that, and the other. And I'm like, no, everything, even if I had not made the flight, I'm just talking about just little things, but to take that angst and anxiety off of me, no, everything, because it does. And I can't get wound up over things I cannot control. But everything, it always works out. It may not be the way that I pictured it on the vision board or I woke up seeing it this particular way, but it always works out the way it's supposed to for me. Wendy Raquel Robinson is one of the stars of the game. She's been around the game, the acting game for a very long time. She is funny. She is dramatic. She is an actress who you cannot take your eyes off of. I've been dying to talk to her. Let's get into it. We're going to talk about acting. We're going to talk about blackness. We're going to talk about her affirmations. We're going to talk about everything. This is an epic conversation. It's Wendy Raquel Robinson on Touré Show. One thing that we can say about the game is this is a show that will never die. It must be (laughs) the most exciting thing for you guys as actors on the show. Because I can't think of, I can think of shows that have left one network and gone to another one once, but you have done that twice. And now you're in your ninth season, which is extraordinary. Not that many, right? Not that many shows make it to number nine. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, like, this is the little engine that could, or the big engine oh. that could. Um, yes. What, I mean, can you just explain to us, like, how it feels for y'all that this thing just keeps going and going, finding home and another home and another home? Mm. It, it's it's really quite unbelievable. Thank you so much for that intro. And actually, it's the 10th 
oh, season. Wow. Believe it or not. Excuse yeah, me. on Paramount Plus marks the big one oh. So the baby is all grown up and you talk about a little engine. I feel like it's a locomotive that is right. just right. nonstop. It's so humbling to be a part of something that is unprecedented. And, you know, I've I've been blessed. I I was a part of a show years ago that was a part of UPN Network. And then it was on NBC, got canceled, and then moved to UPN and barely made it six episodes. So I know the feeling of close and personal. But to see this re- imagined three different times. And I feel like every round gets higher and higher. And um, just to see the optics on this show and the production value and how high it is, this has definitely been the highest. uh, Wow. I want to say one of the greatest experiences of my career in terms of you know, I had to film all of the backstage of it all because it's just so ostentatious. It's just, um, it's I can't, I don't know, I can't put it into words other than to say it is so humbling. You've been a part of a lot of shows. Can you see perhaps why the game has had the staying power that it's had? I want to say that we put up a mirror for America to not only see themselves, but to to laugh at themselves in spite of themselves. I think the characters are so identifiable. I think they're flawed, but they're funny, but they're relatable. You know, we live in this, you know, world of luxury and, you know, lavishness and all of that and lasciviousness. But at the same time, we still, you know, grounded, identifiable. It's like, damn, you remind me of my mama. You remind me of my auntie, you know, but we're still living these elevated worlds. So I think it's a little bit of everything for everybody. And we have crossed the entire spectrum with that. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, with the luxuriousness and the <laughs> lasciviousness. Yes. And, right. And it's it's an, it's an elevated world and yet it's hood you know, in its own way, and it's a soap yeah. opera. And I think all, I think partly, just to almost whittle it down, you're, you, there's enough interpersonal drama for women, and it's in the world of football. Mm. So the guys feel at home, the women feel at home, couples can watch mm-hmm. it together, or, you know, solo women and single men can find their own, own way into it. So you're, it's a world that's open to a lot of people. Yeah. And and you know what's so funny? I just met a woman while I was in New York and she was like, girl, I used to watch it back in the day and now I'm watching it now with my grandkids. Wow. So it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's been about 18 years and it's crossed that now we're intergenerational. So, you know, and she's like, even when I watch the old episodes, it hits different. And I was like, well, what do you mean by that? She was like, well, the things that the characters were going through back then she couldn't really, um, she she identified with them, but now it hits harder and more at home from where she is in life. So I, I'm seeing people grow up with the characters and with their journeys, you know, myself included, which is so <laughs> interesting. It's like, huh? I'm learning lessons from my character from season one, that if I knew then what I know now, maybe I wouldn't have done what I did. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, let's dive into that. What have you learned from your character that you've sort of taken into your life that you're talking about? You know, and I, I think it's going to be a constant thing that I'm going to be working towards is work-life balance. Mm. Work-life balance. And, you know, that's one of the greatest lessons that Tasha is learning this particular season, you know, is that through it all, if you don't have somebody to, you know, really come, this is Tasha, you know, she needs to get that marriage and that life and the family and the kids and all of that in order because she's jet setting and going everywhere else. But at the end of the day, you know, she needs her pookie. So that's one of the greatest thing. And then, you know, Family is everything, and mental health is everything. So uh, we're we're tackling on some really heavy stuff, but you know, there's still the funny with it. But it's still um, it's dramatically uh, comedic. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I really know what work life balance means. You know, feel like you know you just. <laughs> you work- Exhausted just saying it. I know it's like, oh God. 
<laughs> and everybody oh, don't get that. It's like, oh yeah, it's it's a struggle. And and as women, I got to talk about as women, we're like, oh, you can have it all, you can do it all, and it's like, yeah, but at what cost? Mm. But I, I want to hear about you and your work-life balance. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, there is no work-life balance, right? It's just like work all the time. If you're yeah. resting, you feel like guilty, like, oh, I, you know, I didn't do that much today mm-hmm. because I mm-hmm. wasn't working for this hour mm-hmm. or, you know, as soon as you sit on the couch to catch your breath and you're like, well, what am I doing? I should be doing something. I should be, you know, like, right. like you know, working on that book or, or, or working on that article or working mm-hmm. on the dishes mm-hmm. or did you be doing something? something and then it's like you know your body's like well i needed like an hour just to sit and i'm like yeah. oh but i feel guilty that i just sat or i just took a nap or like uh. and and you know what's so interesting would help me i read a quote and it's like no we are human beings not human doings so mm. because i had to erase those thoughts of if i'm not doing something i'm not i'm not being i'm not i'm not living my life correctly and it's like no just being still is okay and so that's the greatest thing that i've learned you know is mindfulness i i started taking my walks smelling my roses and just looking at every little thing and covid helped me to just it brought the world to a standstill for me and um just appreciating the little things. See, nobody talked about this when we were coming up, mm-hmm. right? Like our parents, like work, 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 the notion yeah. of like meditation or taking time for yourself. Like that was some she, she thing. I remember when bad boy was blowing up, right? Wow. When they were first on the rise when Biggie was still alive and Puffy had a thing on the wall in the office. He was like, Sleep when you're dead. Wow. You know, right? And that was the whole thing of like grind all the time. Wow. Wake up early, stay up late, you know, work, work, work. You wow. know, I sleep three hours a night. I sleep two hours a night. I don't need wow. no sleep. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's like that that was like prize. That was, yeah. that was like, you're the man. Mm-hmm. You only need three hours a night. You're the man. Oh my God. <laughs> Um, and now, you know, and I think in the last 10 years, mm-hmm. just as in general in society, we're starting to be like, you know, you can relax, you can meditate, right. you can right. take time for yourself, you can take time to do nothing. These are v- protecting your mental health is it's, really valuable. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean you're crazy. It means like everybody needs to protect their mental health, right. just like everybody needs to protect their physical health. Absolutely. And Woo, I think now in the age of now we're in 5G, you know, everything is accelerated. You know, we, we got Instagram, Insta world, Insta life, you know, Facebook, everything is just so accessible that I feel like the axis of the earth is just going so fast. So wow. I got to counteract that and go the other way and breathe through it. And it's okay. Because yeah, so, I, I don't want to sleep when I'm dead. I'm going to sleep, you know, when I when I need to go to bed. No. <laughs> Tonight, when I, get, I mean, for creative people like us, mm-hmm. there's that urge too of like promote, promote, promote. Yeah, you know. And if I don't want to be letting somebody know about the show, I want to just be in Twitter and Instagram and mm-hmm. TikTok, just getting my name out there, yeah. so more people feel touched, so more people feel, you know, like like my attention or you pay attention to me, so then when I have a project, they'll watch that. So you're just constantly going, going, going. Yeah. How about breathing? Yeah, how about that? And I, I mean, I am guilty, you know, since the show premiered, since, you know, this whole re-up, my, my whole social media has been promote, promote, promote. But I still have it's to a take moment. the time. When I was in Atlanta, and we, we filmed in Atlanta, even when we were there for BET for like maybe eight years off and on, right? But this particular time, I discovered a whole new Atlanta through walking that Beltway, walking through that Piedmont Park, doing all of my nature walks, the botanical gardens. I saw a whole other side that I missed all those eight years I was there because now maybe I have gotten older, (laughs) but I, I feel like I've gotten wiser and more centered on what is really important. In my downtime, and how do I restore and replenish myself? Because I feel like I need a recharge. I need a refueling, you know, because I give so much out to the universe and to the world. It's like, okay, but now how do I pour back into myself? 
because I can't depend on anybody else to do it. And sometimes you got to be your own cheerleader. So I was able to just just do that and just rediscover just the beauty and the little things. And I think for so long, for so many of us, downtime or recharging meant getting drunk, getting Mm. stoned, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. like blasting Mm -hmm. it out in a club. Right. And that's not really restorative. No, it's not. But that's what we (laughs) thought it was. Yeah, because it takes too long to recover now. So (laughs) it's like, Lord, I went to a club. I'm still sore. So, yeah, wait a minute. That's not good. (laughs) I'm feeling three times worse than it was before I went in. But, yeah. So, no. But, but. You know, Alexa has helped me with music and, you know, I play my affirmations. I think, you know, I'm just in a different space, too. You know what I mean? Now, don't get me wrong. I love a good time. I love a good time. But I have to mix it up. Can you talk? Actually, can you talk a little bit about what some of your affirmations are? Mm, I want to start with I am enough. I am enough. I am enough. You know, those moments where I do get fearful, you know, and. Before we even started the press tour, everything's going through my head, this and the other. And it's like, no, I am enough. And the one that gets me through all the time, everything always works out for me. Everything always works out for me. The universe, everything, it always works out for me. That is the main one. I'm telling you, I barely got to the airport and the driver was like, well, you're not going to make it, this, that, and the other. And I'm like, no. Everything, even if I had not made the flight, I'm just talking about just little things, but to take that angst and anxiety off of me, no, everything, because it does. And I can't get wound up over things I cannot control, but everything, it always works out. It may not be the way that I pictured it on the vision board, or I woke up seeing it this particular way, but it always works out the way it's supposed to for me. In the best light, that is the biggest one for me that has worked. And it still works. And it's like, I have to tell myself. But I have a whole thing on YouTube. It's an 11 minute thing. I start my day with, you know, and it goes through everything from I am beautiful. I'm successful. I am, you know, I, I, I attract, you know, love, peace, harmony and everything to me, all of that. But the ones that are really my takeaway are that everything always works out for me. That's so powerful because, you know, even when you lose, you miss, you seem to trip and fall. And then something else is brought to your attention. Something else happens. And like, well, if I hadn't had that, if I hadn't missed that flight, I wouldn't have met him hanging out in the airport waiting, or I wouldn't have been introduced to that. So this was actually, I didn't think this was the journey, but it turned out this was better than if I had made the flight or if I had... Thank you. And that when I say that always happens, it always happens. And I've learned to look at the not at just what's right in front of me, but to see the entire picture. So many times we get encapsulated on just seeing that one thing that is right in front of us. (laughs) It's like, no, there's so many other reasons that this was supposed to happen the way that it did. And everything always works out. So it's not about the door closing. It's about, oh, wow, I wasn't supposed to go through that door because this window of opportunity is greater than. And it led me through so many other things. So that's the biggest uh, mantra that just it helps me in affirming everything. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. One of the people who helped inspire me to want to be in broadcasting is Oprah Winfrey. She's an inspiration for so many of us, but her daytime talk show was so incredible. 
And it told me that you could be black and authentic and real on TV. And that made me want to do it too. Black Stories, Black Truths is NPR's new collection that's a celebration of blackness. Each of NPR's Black voices are as direct, varied, distinct, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and how to create world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Black perspectives that haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story, but now they are the story. On NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, as nuanced, and as Black as we are. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Influencer. It's a word that gets tossed around a lot these days. There is a woman who went the distance, who broke ground as the first true influencer by living a remarkable life. Her name, Elizabeth Taylor. I'm Katy Perry. This is the story of the original influencer. This is Elizabeth the First. Elizabeth the First, the podcast, wherever you listen. So what do you love about acting? Oh, that I get to be someone other than myself. No. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, everything works out for me, but damn, I'm a lot. So, uh... <laughs> Oh my God, I'm oh, enough. You know, I am wealthy. I am good, but I want to be somebody else today. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I love that I, I start from my center and I can travel through time, space, dimensions, worlds, emotions, through the, the walks of someone else other than myself. You know, I can go from, you know, well, I mean, outside of Tasha, but um, like... I play Cruella DeVille. What opportunity do you get to play a living, breathing, animated character on a Disney scale? You know what I mean? Complete with, you know, from the green screen to just enacting with all of these different characters and elements and, you know, bringing out all of the childhood things inside of you, but still being yourself. I mean, come on, really? You can go from fantasy to, to drama, to reality, to... Everything. I just love, um, I love people. I'm a people person. So I'm truly, truly invested in getting to know just human beings, not just human doing, but who are you, you know, and being able to take those walks in their shoes and bring that to life. I think that's a great, it's the greatest gift of humanity is to be able to walk in someone else's shoes or at least to, to have empathy and I think that's what it is. I'm very, I'm, I feel like I'm an empath, you know, and I feel so, you know, when people tell me stuff, it's like, oh, Lord, okay, I, I take it on. And which is good in some ways, but sometimes it's a little bit too much, you know, and I got to protect my energy. But um, I really love being in that position to feel how, just to feel. Is there anything you don't like about acting with the craft part of it? Oh, the craft part. Yeah, is, the 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 job, not the tech, not the not the the bureaucracy, but the jobby job of it. The jobby job of it is that let's say it's a very emotional day and it's one scene and we'll be on that heavy scene for 16 hours. It's exhausting. It's draining to to stay in that space. 
for that long, you know, because film, what you don't see, you know, they shoot the master, then they got to get it from every perspective, every, and then they got to change it up, you know. And so I'm, I'm learning all the time too, not to give out all my energy when it's not my coverage, so that by the time it comes and it's time to capture me, I'm drained, I'm good, I'm done, you know, and that has happened. So, but I like to give even for the other actor to pull out their best performance, but I still got to protect myself. So it's, it's learning the give and take um, of the craft and how to really, um, you know, I study like Viola and I look not only at that scene that she does, you know, I'll never forget that in doubt, you know, when she killed it Mm. and the snot was dripping and all of that and even in fences, but how long was that day? How many takes was it? Because some directors, they can shoot and overshoot and overshoot and you have just really depleted your actors. But um, it's it's learning how to, you know, go to that place that you got to go to and not being afraid to stay there and live in it for a while. And it's sometimes it's not as comfortable as you want it to be. That moment in doubt. Um, wow. Right. And, and that was the first time that I was like, oh, this is one of the great actors yeah. of today because yeah. she had a very small role in that movie. But mm-hmm. that scene is so powerful and she's there with Meryl. With Meryl, and, right. N- right. And not trying to outshine her, no. but outshining her. Oh, right. But just being true to the craft and to the gift that she had and not being afraid to just let it come out. And working with someone, hello, working with another actor that was like, okay with it for her to come out. Because, you know, some people don't want you to shine. Right, right. Some stars will not let yeah, you take yeah. the scene from them. Exactly. And that, that says a lot, not only about Viola, but also about Meryl, that she was like, bring it, you know what I mean? And use that take. So, yeah, so that's um, that's one of the greatest challenges, especially uh, with emotional stuff. Now, with laughter and all of that, I, one thing that I do love um the most about, especially even on the game and, you know, being able to play with a character I've been with so long. I love to improv. Some people are petrified by that, but whoo, I love to flow, you know, give me a scene. And, you know, if I'm going, I I'm just in it and, you know, they won't even call cut to a point where I'm like, okay, y'all that's enough. I, I'm out. I ain't got nothing else. I don't have but, <laughs> but if you start to improvise, then the others have to improvise, right? I, I can't stay on the page and she's off the page. Right. right? So the, so you're taking them and I gotta, I gotta follow her. Yeah. And, and that can be a challenge. It could be, um, it could be threatening, you know, to some actors, but at the same time, you create a space that's safe. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, you do the scene because it's definitely a writer's medium. So you give them what they want first, you know, maybe a couple of times. And then, you know, I, I've been fortunate to work with great directors and it's like, okay, this one's for you. Let's just do it for shits and giggles. Let's just have fun. You know? So of of the folks on the game, who is most willing and able to go with you when you're like, I'm improving, I'm going into space. I'm just, you know, and who's best at like flowing with you? Like, come on, girl, like I'll I'll go with you and I'll and I'll then I'll hang out with you and I'll improv with you. Let's go. Kobe Bell is a beast. Jason Pitts, I mean, I, I call him Captain Kobe. That man. <laughs> I mean, we sit up there and it's like, oh, we in the scene and it's like, but you still in the scene. It's like, oh, you going to go there? You know what I mean? And we just, oh, our relationship is just because we go at it. It's so yummy and it's it's delicious. And of course, you know, Hosea, you know, he plays my son, Malik. Um, but there's something about when you have to play, you know, nemesis to each other and just really go in. Oh, he's. um. He's a beast. He is a beast. He's the one that might, you know, it's kind of borderline. It's like, that hurt my feelings. It's like, okay, no, that's Tasha. But it's like, damn, really? You gonna call me Tito Jackson? <laughs> I, I, I was like, out of all the Jackson, I'm Tito. But that's coming up. But he called me Tito this one. I was like, wow. But it made sense. I was giving you Tito Jackson. Wow. Yeah. Wow, I gotta be Tita. Wow. Yeah, I, I couldn't be. Yeah, I couldn't even be Brandy. It was like we gonna go there. And and the thing that's so crazy, it'll be at the 
you know, we're at the height of being so pissed at each other. You can't break. You got to go with it, even though it's like, oh, okay. So it's like we almost challenge each other to break each other. I mean, like he's he's throwing the ball at you hard, yeah. So you can throw it back at him hard, exactly. And he takes it. And it's like, oh, so it's, it's tennis. It's like playing, you know, right. it's Venus and Serena, you know, in overtime, you know, pop pow. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Yeah. At the end of the day, we're fa- we're family, so it's like no harm, no foul, you know. And we just go in and just we go at it. No, it's 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 safe. So let's, yeah, it's safe. let's play hardball. Let's play. Let's play yeah. Hardball. And and the fans love it. I mean, that's been our history for, you know, now 10 seasons. Yeah. Seasons. Who are some of the actors that you really learned from um either in person or watching them and saying, "Okay, that's how you do this. That's what I want to be more like." Well, of course, like I said, Viola, you know, um yeah. Just how she's able to just pour out everything. I've even seen her do comedy and it's like, oh, oh, that was surprising. You know, I follow her on Instagram and she's got this wonderful, you know, sense of humor that's very different. Um, So many people, I still watch Carol Burnett, you know, and her sketch comedy, you know, because I love doing sketch. I love playing different characters and just her commitment to just being in the moment, you know, and how she is. Um... Even on our show, you know, we've had Rockman Dunbar, who is incredibly grounded in his choice and his work and even working with him and how he comes. You know, he can go from hot to cold in a millisecond. He's like the Tesla <laughs> of it all. Um, so it's 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 pretty much everybody I've worked with. You know, even the great, I, w- I was fortunate to work with the Kings of Comedy at the height yeah. of their careers. And you're going to tell me, me, yeah. Cedric and Steve and Terry J. Vaughn and, you know, everything that we did and were, were able to play, you know, at that time. And even now when I watch, you know, some of the reruns, it's, it's fascinating, you know. Um, almost everybody I work with, I learn a little bit from. You know, because yeah. everybody, um, every actor that pretty much shows up to the table has earned their seat there and they bring sure. a little something different that I'm like, oh, okay. Like even this season, I called it my learning curve. You know, I learned a lot, even from the new blood that came through. A lot. Like what? Well, you know, the show this year is grounded. Uh, I want to say it's familiar, it's fresh, but it's the, the comedy is really grounded. And... Uh, it was so funny when we first did the table read and I'm being fully transparent, me and Hosea were like, I feel like we're doing three different shows. You know, you got the old school of the game where it's kind of like kiki, ha ha. And then you got, you know, the new school and everybody talks like this, you know, and I kept calling them the whispers. I was like, speak up. Okay. You know, wait, what, what you're saying? You know, but they're, they're really dramatic, you know, and then you have the hybrid of the two. So how do we bring all of these worlds together? And that was the creative challenge. Um, for the director, you know, Kevin Bray, who is amazing. And he, you know, brought us in. And first, initially, he was like, you know, it's kind of like Succession, you know, because he had directed both of those shows on uh, HBO. And then we have the the table read. And he's like, well, damn, you funny, Wendy. He was like, so it's kind of like Shit's Creek. And I was, he was like, mm. he was like, you know what? Just do you. So, um, so in learning from the new blood that came in, which is a uh, um, like Adrian Ray and Von Hebron and uh, Toby Sandeman and even Annalisa Velez, you know, it's a very um, it's a very subtle kind of grounded, you know, thing this and other. But you know, it transpires, you know, and tells the story, you know. And I'm like, huh, what? Say, come on, talk to me. But you know, it's it's like double Dutch. You know what I mean? You know. What does eating healthy mean to you? Whatever your eating goals, Thrive Market is the best place to get all your groceries and household essentials. And getting Thrive shipped to your door is like having a great supermarket right outside your house. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and ethical sourcing methods. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks or low sugar alternatives or gluten-free essentials, Thrive Market's got it and their site lets you curate your shopping experience quickly. And as a Thrive member, I save on every order. 
usually about 30%, which of course I love. And when you join, you help a family in need with the membership matching program. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a $60 gift for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash Toray. Thrivemarket.com slash This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. You gotta wait. Oh, and you get in and then you find the rhythm and you just jump rope together. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, damn, that was deep. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, but that's what it felt like. You know what I mean? How are we going to make yeah. this, this work without surrendering to the artistic integrity of these characters that I've been in, but now we're putting them in a new world and how do they navigate through this lens? Well, this, I mean, acting is so much, you guys talk about listening Mm -hmm. and that's when you get this interplay you can't just be a great actor by yourself do a monologue and blow everybody away it's in the interaction with others and listening and Mm -hmm. fine can you talk a little bit about that part of the game right of the of the listening and thus refining your performance to be in in synchronicity with the other person or the other people wow it's It's a give and a take. You know what I mean? Whatever you're giving me, I'm going to take it and I'm going to give you something back. So the greatest thing is to, I learn my lines through my blocking and through how I'm interacting. I can't come, I'm familiar with the script when I come to set and everything, but it's so hard for me to make all these pre-planned choices because I get there and it's like, oh, well, I thought we were going to be sitting on a couch and, you know, I rehearsed all of this sitting in front of a couch with my remote. And it's like, no, we're actually standing and we're on an elevator. So if I had gotten so stuck and married to those choices before I even showed up on set, it's too hard to adjust, to erase and all of that. So you have to know how to go with the ebb and the flow of everything. So you have to listen. You have to be present and you have to be, I want to say, pliable and moldable and just really adjust. You know, I, I, at my school, I, I teach at uh, Amazing Grace Conservatory, shameless, but not shameless plug. Um, but the biggest thing I say is the word for today is what? Adjustment. Because we'll be in the confines of one space and then we get to the theater and the whole world is totally different. And it's like, but Miss Wendy, that's not how it was. And I was like, but the word for today is what? Adjust. So it's adjust to the listening, to the feeling, to the impact, and what and receiving what somebody else is giving you, and not anticipating. So you have right, not anticipating. You have the lines in you, mm-hmm. but but somebody says the line this way, which is different than you expected. Right. So I have to use my imagination, my ears, my everything to respond to the way that they have said it, rather mm-hmm. than how I prepared for them to say it, and be in the moment in terms of they're saying it this way. Mm-hmm. So I have to respond in, in an appropriate way. Right. And that's the magic of, well, I want to say rehearsal, <laughs> um, but we don't get a lot of rehearsal in TV. That's the other thing. But rehearsal, the root word is to rehear it. Mm. Right. So when you rehear in the rehearsal process, there's time to really make those adjustments and play. But also in TV, it's like, okay, let's hear the words, okay? And this is the blocking where you're going to go, and we're going to shoot. TV moves very fast to move very slow because you'll be on one scene for, you know, 14 hours. But whatever choices you make for that master, you can finesse it and nuance it. And hopefully you're working with actors that will give you a different read on the line every time you do it. Or you know, on their different coverage, you know, maybe they'll be heightened or they'll be pulled back and you can play off of that. So it's just, 
it's learning the dance, you know, and trusting that scene partner and just, did that work for you? You need something for me? Or, you know, it's it's just adjusting. It's adjusting all day long. Just one more note, since you're an acting teacher, if there are aspiring or young actors listening, what else would you want to teach them or advise them or let them know about the craft? Mm, To respect the craft, to study, train, to learn, to know as much as you can, and just don't be afraid to use all of your senses and don't be afraid to be vulnerable and to really um, commit to the bit. That's the one hook I have. Commit to the bit. It means, okay, let's say the writer gives you something. Okay, here's here's the first day of shooting, season 10. We're shooting out of sequence. We shoot episode two before I even get to episode one. And it's been eight years since I've been walking in Tasha's, walking in Tasha, and we're already jumping ahead. And it's like, I haven't even really, you know, discovered this character again. Can we just kind of glide into it? But no, we're going to put her on the farm. She's going to milk cows. She's going to do all of this. And it's like, well, damn, before I even judge this character, I got to commit to the bit, meaning commit to the circumstances. I had to milk cows. I had to shovel poop. I had to feed, you, you know what I mean? And just commit to it. Don't question it. Don't judge it. You know, if it's something that is outside of the realm of what that character would do, by all means, have a creative conversation. But if there is a bit that you have to do, I'll take you back to season three. And Tasha was searching for her identity as a woman in love with Rick Fox and all my insecurities. And I had to suck his toes. I had to commit to the bit. (laughs) Thank God the man had some pretty feet. Okay. (laughs) But, you know, and that was pre-COVID. But, uh, right, 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 but right, it's, right, it's right, right. Commit to the bit because, some, I mean, that bit, it was hysterical. It was, it would not have worked if I was not committed. You know what I mean? And don't hell be yeah. afraid. Oh, we say, hell yeah. But it was, it was you one of commit. You got to commit. You've seen those performances where it's like, I don't believe you. You know, acting for me is like, you know, it's make believe, make me believe you, you know, and and I love that. I want people to believe that I am in these circumstances that are so unfathomable at times, but you believe it. You believe that she would get caught up, you know, damn near arrested at a Starbucks, you know, for just fighting because somebody got in front of her in the line. Make me believe you commit to the bit. Um, what is, uh, what is, what is, what is being black mean to you and mm. where does it show up in your work? Wow. What does black, Oh, really, Teray, you gonna go there? Wow. Being black to me, it has shifted so much throughout my life. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm gonna try and make this brief, but I remember I was a part of the first busing system out here in LA and they were busing wow. all of the kids from South Central to the Valley. It was my first year of junior high and it was the first time that I ever saw up close and personal when I got there and they had spray painted the school KKK in words go home and the parents were out there that didn't look like me protesting all of these buses of black kids They turned those buses around, took us to a whole nother school without calling our parents, enrolled us in this whole other school and said, this is now your home and where you are. I didn't realize how traumatized I was at that time until like now, because I'm born and raised in L.A. I don't mess with the valley. It still brings a sting to me. And when I see the Rittenhouse things that are happening, you know, I see, you know, when I. Look at the full spectrum. It means that I don't take it for granted. I'm not embarrassed of it. I I feel like I have a responsibility of I can't carry the race, but I can also do my part in the race. I can educate. And the most profound thing that I have right now that I feel so obligated to, we are not learning our history. My students that I teach, and I'm talking about, they come from every walk of life, from the affluent areas, private schools to, you know, grew up, you know, South Central, just like I did. 
they're not learning about history, the legacy, the the kings and queens from which we've come. They're not learning that in school. So I have an obligation. And that's what my part of being Black is, to make sure that those that are coming behind me know what it's like to be Black and to know from whence we've come so that they'll know where we're going. And it's, 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 it's intense because they are not learning. I did a show. We did uh, the Colored Museum. I don't know if you're familiar with that, George Wolf. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. George. So we're, yeah. yeah, we're we're you know taking them down. So it opens with Celebrity Slave Ship. You know, Miss Pat and that. So before you can do any of the references, you got to talk about the slave ship. So do you know? I said. So how did we get to America from Africa? Well, we came on, on cruise ships. We came over here to clean motels. We came over here, and I was like, wait, wait. I thought I was being punked. Seriously, I really did. And so I had to turn it. So it started off as the Color Museum, but then it start, Then it ended up being the show called The Journey Continues because I had to, it was the year that Obama was running for office and we did an original showcase and it started from Africa to the White House. And we had to, I had to show them everything in between. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not all of the kit, but it was a strong majority where it was a shock value. Of, okay, no, we have a greater responsibility. And then I see all of the, you know, things that are happening, you know, and the the black on black crime and this, that, and the other. Do you know if we knew who we were, mm. what we would do better to each other? And so I think that's that's the biggest thing. So being black to me <laughs> is educating everyone on what being black really is. We say black lives matter, but we got to show them why. And that's why mm. I was I mean, amen to all of that. And I also think about, I mean, I think a lot about what you're talking about in terms of, you know, the history. So, you know, you are standing on people's shoulders Mm -hmm. in order to have the life that you have. And as creative people, you know, especially as an actor, you can see the lineage. Like you remember when, you know, uh, 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 Diane Carroll Ooh. was one of the very few black people on Julia, television. The only right? one. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 You remember Max Robinson getting on to ABC and like, mm-hmm. oh, wow, he's, you know, and and you can kind of see the development of black TV, like, you know, getting more and more roles and, and you know, coming. <laughs> well, we came up through, you know, in the 70s, you know, from that Sanford and Son right. to, to the right. Jeffersons. Um, you know, and what the Cosby show did in the eighties <laughs> and on and on and on. And so you're part of an amazing lineage yeah. of that. And I know the the little part in television history that I had, you know, people older than me are constantly like, yo, you know, thank you for what you did. Wow. Your part is much larger. I'm sure you get people being like, you know, thank you for being part of this amazing story. Mm-hmm. Um It's so funny. Um, CNN actually reached out because they're doing a whole thing on um, the lineage of African-Americans in television. And they are highlighting uh, the Steve Harvey show as one of them. So I'm really, you know, it's humbling. It's honored to be a part of that. But to take it serious, you know, because when you're in it, it's like, okay, we're having a good time. But I, I never thought of, oh, my God, we're really making history. And um I think it's so important that we know from whence we've come. And it was not easy because now there's so much content out there. There's so many streaming services out there that those that are coming up, it's like, oh, well, it's always been like that. And it's like, no, no, it hasn't. But this is a golden era, I think, for black visual culture, television and film Mm -hmm. behind the camera and in front of the camera. There are more authentic projects being created and perpetuated by Mm -hmm. black and brown folks Mm -hmm. that are telling honest stories that Mm -hmm. we're like, yes, you know, we could name, you know, 10 or 20 each that are like, you know, on, you know, own and ABC Mm -hmm. and Netflix and whatever, whatever, Mm -hmm. whatever on, you know, to say nothing of the big screen. Um, This is an extraordinary time. Do you, do Mm -hmm. you feel that? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) How about that? And to see women, Behind this, the Shonda Rhimes of it all, you know, and then even seeing the Ava DuVernay's, the Ava of, it DuVernay's all. of it all, you know, at one point, Issa Rae's was one of my babies. Yeah. And just to yeah. see the innovation and the revolution 
that is happening. And even my peers that are directing to see me now as a producer, you know, on the game and having even more input. And then, you know, eventually going into directing, but I want to make sure, you know, I show up at the table with everything, you know, correct. I ain't just saying, I want to direct because it's hot. No, I want to show up. And, and kill it. You know what I mean? But um, I do feel it. it is um, it is an amazing time to be a part of this industry, you know, and it's so funny. I ran into uh, I was at Brooklyn Chop House just the other night on a Sunday night and ran into Tasha Smith and we mm. got into a whole 45 minute conversation because of that responsibility now. You know, the pendulum is swinging and we have to be in those rooms to fight for those artists that we want to fight for that are deserving to be at the table. And she was just sharing her journey with, um, you know, stars and BMF and everything that she's done and, and what she's doing. And I'm just so excited for her and just seeing how things are changing for us. You know, I was fortunate to work with Eva Longoria on Grand Hotel. And one of the things that she fought for, for the Brown community was seeing those women. We had a a female who was a cinematographer that I've never Mm. met, you know? And I mean, when I say the visuals on Grand Hotel were spectacular, it was amazing. And it was ABC. So to see a major network, you know, embrace all of that. And I want to say out of the 12 episodes that we did, seven out of the 12 directors were female, you know, so it was it was intentional. So not only is it the golden age, but it's the it's the season of being intentional in everything do you, you do. Do you think that uh, this is a, a moment and, you know, we're seeing the representation and at some point we'll swing back or that the door has opened enough that there are so many creators and so many people working that like, this is the new reality. I think this is the reality. I think, you know, and it used to be like, okay, we got to get in now while we're trending. But uh, no, I, I, I truly believe that this is it. You know, um, like you said, the Ava DuVernay's, the, you know, Shonda Rhimes, they have given young black girls to say, oh, well, that's how it's supposed to be. That's that's how it's supposed to be. We have so many incredible women that we see, you know, the Kamala Harris. <laughs> Hello. So they're growing up in an era. I, I have kids that I work with that grew up with the black president, with Obama. So they don't know any other way than what it should be. Period. You know, the Obama era, that was what, 2008, 2004. You know what I mean? So that's what they know to be their truth. So I have to rise to that occasion. I have to be not just the first. Now, now there are no more first. It's the normal. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense to me, I, I, that's what I, that's what I believe. What is it um, in you that has led to your success? Because you've had quite a long career, tons of different jobs, TV, movies. What is it in you that has led to your success? I think it's the God in me. <laughs> it's the faith. It's it's my faith. It's my passion. Uh, I don't want to put it on a soapbox and be like, ah. no, but I mean, really, my dad was a janitor and worked at the post office. My mom was a registered nurse. It was, you know, I, I grew up, you know, blue collar uh, family. And it was just love that was poured into me and just um, family believing in, you know, when I told them I wanted to go to Howard and major in drama, it was like, huh? What? Then I was like, oh, and I want to open up a school. It was like, huh? What? But it was never, you can't. It was like, okay, do it. Just do it. And- but 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 as as working people, right, did mm-hmm. they say, oh, girl, like, uh, how are you going to make money doing that? Because uh, a lot of people who aren't in creative fields only know of actors to be either super wealthy or poor. Right, right. And I was, I never got that. My parents 
did not do that. And it's, it's, it's also very interesting. I was one of those kids who grew up and it was like 20 kids on the block. So we used to put on plays in the backyard when I was like seven, eight, nine, ten. You know, that's all I've known. So I think, you know, when you see something creative in your child, you know, and, and they just got that eccentric thing. I used to get in trouble, you know, because I would finish my work in school, you know, really fast. And, you know, either I'm the class clown talking too much or doing too much. You know, at the time they called it, you know, gifted. Now they try and say, oh, he's 80, oh, ADHD. You know what I mean? It's like, do something with the child. So they put me into theater, you know, and I was able to just thrive. So I think my parents just saw that at a very young age. So I always encourage parents, you know, don't chastise that child for, you know, being eccentric or having too much energy or always involved in something. Channel that energy where it should be and it could just blossom into something great. Because I see myself in those kids, even when I'm teaching. It's like, ah, I know you. Sit over there and be quiet, cause I was you. You ain't you ain't gonna get away with that with me. Not with me. I'm I'm on it too, honey. I am you. Okay, I got you. You know what I mean? So yeah. <laughs> so growing up without much, and now you're doing good. What has what has money afforded you that's mm-hmm. been really nice? I'm not going to say I didn't grow up with much because I didn't know it because everything I ever wanted, my parents provided. You know what I mean? But um, I've always had an interesting relationship with money. I'm not impressed by money. Sometimes money even makes me nervous. And, you know, my counselor, like I I live beneath my means. You know, my father is um, he passed three years ago, but um it was always self-preservation is the first law of nature. That's the one thing that he poured into me. And um, he sit up there and he cut his coupons. He was thrifty. You know what I mean? So I grew up um, just, I never put emphasis on money. It was never my driving thing. You know, I was never a paper chaser. Uh, Even in my first jobs that I got, you know, I would always send, you know, the money orders home and, I'd invest in either property or, you know, something different, but not material things. It just, um, you know, money is important. Yeah, because I do, you know, look around. Yes, I I love my life, you know, but at the same time, it's not all the things that I need. I had a fire to my house back in 2003, lost everything and almost lost my mind. And it was right after, you know, the Steve Harvey show and Cedric show and, you know, it was my first year of marriage, you know, everything was just, ah, and then to lose everything. And I went through a three year of rebuilding and just, I had to move back into the house that I grew up in, you know, while they were rebuilding my house. And, you know, I think it was, it was a starting over and a fresh start, but thank God I wasn't attached to all those things that I had acquired because I probably would have lost my mind. The hardest thing was, you know, I lost my dog, you know, in the fire and um, pictures, photos, because it was before cell phone and digital and all of that. I lost so many photos and memories and I'll never forget, you know, me and my mom just pouring our heart, you know, crying and going through the muck and the mire and trying to sift through photos. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know how that. Yeah, yeah. I know how that could be. I mean, not even me, right? But like my grandmother had a fire before, way before I was even around. Wow! But um, I have never seen a picture of my grandfather. Wow! Because all the pictures of him in, were lost in the, in the fire. He, you know, he was gone when my father was little. All the pictures of him were gone, you know, well before that. You know, I have no idea what he looks like. Isn't that something? You know? Yeah. And, um, you know, so, yeah it's, yeah, it's 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 amazing how from that generation, the photographs were, were fragile. They were fragile, yeah. So I right. take nothing for granted, you know what I mean? And, I mean, thank God, look, I keep my phone with me right here. Back it up on the iCloud. It's like, woo. But yeah, but, having, it, but it sounds like no. But it sounds ahead. like out of the fire experience, you are a little better at practicing um, being unattached. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And, and I totally uh, agree with you because it was at that time when I feel like I was at one of the lowest points in my life. I auditioned for Tasha Mack. Now, mind you, I'm growing back in South Central in the house that I grew up in. You know, my mom was just renting, renting it out because, you know, we just my parents, you know, we acquired property and um, just reinvested in the community. And so I'm back there full circle, you know, and the heartbeat and the pulse and all of that. I felt like it was it was kismet, like everything always works out. Even through the fire, the devastation, losing, when I say everything, I spent the night at the neighbors and they gave us pajamas. It was the night of the Oscars. Last King of Scotland was up for the award. So I'm dressed in African clothes and everything, right? Because my friends, you know, we threw this big Oscar party at my friend's house and lost, when I say everything, that's all I had. And starting from scratch. And I had to rediscover who I was because I had had so many clothes from the shows that I had done. So it was like I had Regina Greer's, all of her suits. And then I had, you know, other play clothes. And it's like, well, who is Wendy? What does what Wendy like to dress? It was little things like that. How do I dress? What is my style? Because I had come so accustomed to being in these characters and, you know, dressed a certain way or this, that I had to redefine my look, my style, which is always ever evolving. And you ask about what is being black. I also want to talk about that. It is the uniqueness of just who we are and able to celebrate that from our hair to our, we even do a hell of an episode on the game this season about hairism and black hair and what it is as a woman. You know what I mean? And it it goes there. It's really, it's a powerful episode you're going to really love and respect. But um, I had to redefine and rediscover and fall back in love with just who is Wendy? And it took me all the way back to South Central, back to one, a reset, because we need that every now and then. And it was a wonderful reset. Did it challenge your faith in that notion of everything works out for me? That was before I had the notion of everything works out for me because it was a notion of nothing is working out for me. It was a, a very low time for me. I was in between jobs. I think I hadn't worked in like maybe ooh, three or four years. And I, I just couldn't, I wasn't in a space to work and to be creative. You know what I mean? I was still trying to find me, you know, and then adapt uh, to my environment, you know, being back in that space, but it was so intentional, you know, God and the universe needed me back at one. And it was, I don't know if you know about pilot season. Uh, One of the years I was, you know, back in the house that I grew up in on 84th and it was pilot season. And I just, I just couldn't get my oomph. You know what I mean? Sometimes you need that oomph. I couldn't find that motivation and the inspiration. None of it was there. And then, um, when the game came, that audition, and I read it, I felt like I didn't even need to act. The words just, it was like my story, my testimony, my everything, who I was and who I had. Maybe I needed to go down that downward spiral to really get in touch with the roots of Richmond and Tasha and who that was at that time to really elevate and and carry that with me into that room and jump through the hoops and not trip when I saw every actor imaginable, every singer you could imagine auditioning for Tasha Mack, you know, but I am enough. I am enough. I deserve to be here. And boom, and got it. And it was kind of like, oh, who, huh? I did. But it was one of the, it was the longest audition process, but it was one of the easiest because it was just, Everything always, it, it was supposed to happen that way. Mm. Crazy, right? Dang, oh that's, a, that's a deep interview. <laughs> <laughs> is this a, what is it? What is this show? Lord, I told you I heard a couple of your podcasts, but I'm like, what is happening? What is going on? Uh, you know, we had taught, you know, we had Tasha on the show, right? Did you hear that one? I did not. I heard Raven Simone's. Oh, that was a good one. It was she a was great so one. And I love, I love her. I've known her since she was a, her. 
and her wife jumped in, yes. and it was, you know, and I find out she's a prepper and all this. It was like, well, we're we are way off in outer space here. I love it. I love it here. Yeah, it was great, but it was it was so random. I was doing a drive from Vegas, and um, I was just going through because I love podcasts, and right. um, somehow yours just came up. And um, I really enjoyed it. I forgot the other one Beautiful. I did, but um, I just, I loved it. Yeah. And this was like maybe. <laughs> no, we, we had Tasha Smith and a couple other people who are probably uh, friends of yours. So, you know, you probably appreciate that. But like, let me, let, let me, the last thing that I ask everybody, what is your superpower that has led to your success? What do you do better than other people that has propelled you? Really, Teray? <laughs> ah! <laughs> Damn! Wow! You know, I think it's... I have a genuine affinity for getting to know you. Whoever it is, be it the waiter, be it the PA, be it Toure, be it, um, I just have a gen, and I'm going to share this with you. And this is how my superpower has helped me. I was doing the Sinbad pilot. Yeah. So that many years ago, before Salma Hayek was Salma Hayek. And, you know, and we're all working and doing everything. And there was a production assistant and she's answering phones and this, that, and the other. And I was like, now, who are you? I said, you're so cute. I said, you're sitting over here and you're answering these phones. I said, what you want to do? She's like, no, I'm a writer. And I said, oh, okay. She's like, I, no, I am a writer. And I said, all right, I see you. You're a writer. And it was Mara Brockakill. And she never mm. forgot. She never forgot that conversation. To this day, we still talk about it. We're some of the closest, the creator of Girlfriends and the game. But I think my superpower is I see. I like to see people. I want to get to know you. So it's not the human beings doing. It's like, no, who are you being? Who are you? And I've always had a fascination with that. So I think that's it. Just really um, taking the time to make the time to getting to know. And sometimes it's easier for me to talk to a stranger. You know what I mean? I'm just getting, I've always been a people person in a weird way. As shy as I am sometimes, I really am. I don't just go to everybody and just talk to them. But I feel like I'm an empath and I can really feel people's, um, you know, the other night we were at the cafeteria in New York and this waiter came and he's just snatching plates, this, that, and the other. I was like, wait a minute, wait. I said, we got to change this energy. What's going on? And just really got to know him. And after 16 years, it was his last night there. His name is Nelson. He was going through a whole thing. It turned into a whole 25 minute conversation. And yeah, it was, it was life changing. I was like, Change that energy, you know, and he was going on to new things, but he was so torn between leaving the cafeteria, which I love that place, and going on to new new things. So, yeah, I think that's my superpower. Thank you so much to Wendy for a great interview, and thanks to you for listening. Torre Show gives you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality, and maybe this show can help. You can find me on Twitter at Torre and on Instagram at Torre Show. Torre Show is written by me, Torre, and produced by Jackie Garifano. Our editor is Ryan Woodhall. Our photographers are Chuck Marcus and Shanta Covington and Nick Carp. Our booker is Claudia Jean, and we're distributed by DCP Entertainment, and we will be back on Wednesday with more amazing guests because the man can't shut us down. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick... Let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash 
all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy. And we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy. And I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer. Because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered.